All Souls Church, Pastor Harvey here. Uh, if you're joining us online, you've never visited, we'd love to have you at All Souls Church uh, here in Burbank. We gather on 10 a, at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And today we're actually starting a new series. We're moving through the book of Genesis and we've divided into three series. And this is the third and final series in the book of Genesis. And this series focuses in on a man named Joseph. And the rest of the book of Genesis pretty much centers around Joseph's life. And uh, it is absolutely one of the best stories in all of the Bible. There's, it is just profound. It is gut-wrenching. It is ups and downs. There's redemption. There's uh, betrayal. There's all kinds of things in this story uh, that are just really, really good. And so I hope you enjoy the story. But even more than that, I hope that you learn the ways of God and how God... Uh, cares for us and meets with us in the midst of a fallen world through Joseph's story. Um, so, yeah, we're going to uh, jump in now uh, to this, this series called Joseph and Jesus. Okay, so we're going to read the scripture. Uh, we're going to be covering chapters 37 and uh, 39. There's a reason for that. I'll explain in just a minute. But we're just for our scripture reading going to read the first part of chapter 37 as we get our introduction to Joseph and his life. All right, so uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and made him a robe of many color, colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow down ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Come now, Lord, and teach us through Joseph's life. Uh, how you guide us with your providence, with your care, and how you're with us in the darkness, how you're with us in the saddest parts of life and in the betrayal and in the brokenness of it all. Come, Holy Spirit, and teach each of us and show us also uh, not only Joseph's life and our lives, but show us the Lord Jesus Christ through this text. So we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let me introduce you uh, to Joseph just really quick. 
Uh, Joseph, uh, who is now the character that we'll cover from chapter 37 to chapter 50, is, um, he is the son of Jacob and Rachel. Now, if, if you were with us during the last story, you, last few stories, you, you heard that love story between uh, Jacob and Rachel, that, that Jacob had multiple wives, uh, but Rachel was his loved wife. Rachel was his romance. And, and uh, Rachel gave him two children. One was Joseph, and another one was Benjamin, which uh, she gave him as she died. Uh, she died in childbirth. And so Joseph had uh, loved his wife, Rachel, and all he had left from his wife were these two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And we're going to see Joseph and Benjamin in the next few weeks in these stories. Joseph, though, was kind of a favored son of, of Jacob. Jacob kept him close. At this point in Jacob's life, Jacob had finally come around to submission to God uh, after many trials and temptations and back and forth. He came to submission to God, and now he's a godly man, and he's leading his family in a different sort of way. And he has these younger sons, Joseph and, and Benjamin, who were not as corrupted as his older sons. Part of the reason why his older sons were corrupted, and we'll see their corruption in this passage, was because um, Joseph wasn't a very good dad. and jo uh, Sorry, um, Jacob wasn't a very good dad, and Jacob had them in situations where they were compromised. They lived in this place called Shechem for a while, where they were compromised by worldly thinking and false gods and false truths. And so uh, the other 11 sons uh, that he had, or, or I should say the other 10 sons that he had, were, were many of them were, were not loyal to their father Jacob, and in fact, one of the sons, Reuben, betrayed his father by sleeping with his father's concubine. And when he did that, he, Reuben was the firstborn, he lost his right to the family inheritance and Jacob passed him over. And Jacob now is making his son Joseph uh, the head of the family inheritance, even though he's one of the youngest sons. And so Jacob spends time with Joseph and loves Joseph and teaches Joseph about the ways of God. And Joseph becomes a very godly man. In fact, um, when we study the book of Genesis, if, if one thing has been absolutely clear, it has been that everybody in the book of Genesis is completely broken and a complete mess. Even though uh, you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of faith, they were, they were all over the place. And yes, at the end of their lives, they seemed to come around more to loving God and submission towards God, but they were all over the place. But for the first time in the book of Genesis, the first time in redemptive history, we have a character who's actually uh, noteworthy for being good and holy and upright and just, and that is this man, Joseph. And I think that part of the reason for that is because God is showing us through Joseph an example of what a righteous, holy man could be, and, and, and prefiguring the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Joseph's life, we will see, uh, is a type or a prefiguration of Jesus's life over and over and over again. So in a sense, we've got all these broken people, and then there's this one person at the end of the story of Genesis who kind of stands out as a pillar of virtue, and that is this young man, Joseph. Uh, we only see him sin a couple of times throughout his entire life, and for the most part, he remains completely 
loyal to God. In fact, there's really only a couple of people in all of the Bible uh, that have this kind of reputation with God, and, and Joseph is one of them. Most people in the Bible have uh, kind of a mixed reputation, but Joseph is different. So in a sense, he's, he's a Christ figure in type and in his character, unlike everybody else in Genesis. He's an obedient son. He is faithful. He is gentle. He is the favored son of his father, uh, and his word was trusted. Okay? Now, Jesus in Matthew 5, 8 um, says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's Joseph. He is pure in heart. Jesus also said this, though, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, the pure in heart will be persecuted for being righteous, for walking with God in holiness. Jesus also said this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is saying, if you live a holy and upright, godly life, you're going to be persecuted and people are going to betray you. So here's my main point for today. When others betray us, God is with us. When others betray us, God is with us. All right, let's jump into the story. Uh, it's, in verse 2, it says, these are the generations of Jacob. In other words, these are uh, generations, his children. And this is what is happening with his children. And it says, Joseph was 17, pasturing the flocks with his brothers. And one, one of Joseph's responsibilities was to be kind of the right-hand man of his father. And so he would go and he would um, check on the situation and bring reports back to his father. And one of the times, he came back and brought a bad report of what his brothers were up to as they were out shepherding in the field. Now, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. He's 17 years old. He's doing what his father asked him to do. He wasn't being malicious and bringing a bad report against his brother. He was just telling his father what the situation is. These are his father's flocks, his father's business. He was just being upright and full of integrity. But his brothers, from the bad report, we don't know what it was, felt that they had been betrayed somehow. They are the ones betraying their father, and they feel like their younger brother uh, should have kept his mouth shut. Now he's a rat, you know. He's, 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 he's reporting back to dad the things that we're doing. He should have just kept his mouth shut. But Joseph, you know, being a 17-year-old and being a godly 17-year-old, uh, was just walking in integrity, speaking the truth. And this is one of the things that we're going to see with Joseph that he gets him in trouble. His integrity is what gets him in trouble. His speaking truth is what gets him in trouble. It's not his malicious intent. It's not his underhanded ways that get him in trouble. It's his integrity that gets him in trouble. So he speaks truth to his father. And look what happens. Um, his brothers hated him because of it. In verse 3, it says that Joseph loved uh, uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than all of the other brothers because he was a, a different child. He was the son of his love, Rachel, but he was also uh, different. He had walked in integrity. He walked in truth. And when his brothers saw that dad loves Joseph more than us, they hated him. And in fact, throughout this passage that we just read, they kept saying that they hated him. They hated him. Well, one day Joseph has a dream. And it was a dream from God. It was a prophetic dream. 
And he tells them what the dream was. And he says, basically, uh, you know, uh, we're out in the field. Uh, all of your sheaves bowed down to mine as a picture of the, you know, these big stocks that they would gather in the field. And it was a picture of that one day all of you will bow down to me. They already knew he was going to be there, the family, and they hated this and they were jealous of him. And this made them hate him even more. But then he has another dream. And he says, in this dream, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars all bow down to him is a picture of that not only uh, will, um, the, not only will um, his brothers bow down to him, but his father will and, as well. And so what was Joseph doing? Was Joseph being proud and arrogant in reporting these dreams? No. He had received these dreams from God. He had received this truth from God, and he was just reporting what God had prophetically revealed to him in the dream. But by speaking that truth, his brothers hated him. And even his dad was like, what are you talking about? And rebuked him. But if you look at the end of verse 11, look what it says. But his father kept the saying in mind. His father kept the saying in mind because he knew the revelation was from God. And he knew that he was wanting Joseph to become the head of the family. And so even though he was a bit disturbed by the dreams, he knew that the dreams were probably from God. All right? So that's the setup. The brothers hate him. The father loves him. He's a kid of integrity. Uh, he is... He is just speaking truth. He didn't do anything wrong. He's a young 17-year-old man who's walking in truth, spoke the truth that was revealed to him by God, and people despised and hated him, his brothers specifically, for speaking that truth. So this sets up for the betrayal. And this is one thing we're going to see all throughout the Bible. We see it in Jesus' life, that the righteous is betrayed by the wicked. That even sometimes the righteous is betrayed by not even the wicked, but people in the church. We see it all throughout the New Testament. The, the Apostle Paul was betrayed by people that he led to Christ. Uh, we see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, uh, but he was also denied by his other apostles. Uh, we see it all throughout the scriptures that, some, that oftentimes the righteous people, the people that really walk with God, are betrayed by others because they can't stand the righteousness. They can't stand the integrity. They can't stand when somebody's truly connected to God. It reveals the, the evil within them, which causes them to hate. So verse 12, now his brothers went, went to pasture the flock near Shechem. And we remember Shechem. They go to pasture the flock near Shechem, probably because it's a good place to pasture the flock. But we learned Shechem was a place where they learned to compromise their faith. So they're back to the place where they compromise their faith. And Israel said to Joseph, verse 13, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to them, Here I am. This is the son. Joseph, he is obedient. Here I am, father. So he said to him, go now and see it if, it if it is well with your brothers, with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him watering in the fields. The man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. So Joseph travels as a 17-year-old kid, maybe with others as well, 30 miles to Shechem, and then, oh, they're not here, travels another 30 miles to Dothan, where he sees his brothers. 
Look at this, verse 18. They saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They could see him coming, and they were probably up to no good. They didn't want another bad report to come to their father. So they, as they saw him coming, uh, he's wearing his coat of many colors, which we read about earlier, that was given to him by his father, kind of a royal robe. They go, here he comes. He's going to rat us out to dad. Give us a bad report again. I'm so sick of this kid. He thinks he's so righteous. And of course, they're living in rebellion to God. They're living in rebellion against their father. Uh, but they're like, let's kill him. I'm done with him. Their, their hatred for his integrity came to a point where they were ready to kill him. Their own brother. Um, verse 19. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him, throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben, that's the oldest, heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. And he did this that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. Reuben is the one that had betrayed his father. And now he's trying to get in good graces with his father. So he's going to play, even though he's part of the plot, he's going to play the rescuer and bring uh, Joseph back to his father. So everybody's selfish. Everybody's being shady uh, with this young kid and his life. And he... Uh, so when Joseph came to his brothers, verse 23, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. Can you imagine? They take their younger brother, throw him into a pit to leave him for dead, and they sit down and eat. Unfeeling total betrayal, hatred, because they hate his integrity. Okay, so again, verse 25, they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, just on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother of our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. So, so we might as well make some money off of him. We don't want to kill him. I mean, he is our brother, so let's just sell him into slavery. As if that's somehow better. Their hatred of Joseph's integrity, because they, even though they were part of the church, they were living ungodly lives, led them to sell their own brother into slavery thinking we'll take the inheritance. We don't have to put up with him anymore. Forget him and his dreams. Verse 28, the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took jo then they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. Reuben's plot to take him back to his father and restore himself back to his father uh, didn't work. He tore his clothes, verse 30, and returned to his brother and says, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, 
This we have found. Please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him into Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. When others betray us, God is with us. But betrayal hurts. I can tell you that in my life, betrayal has been one of the deepest, hardest things I've had to face. Not only did I, I grow up in a pretty dysfunctional, abusive family where I experienced all kinds of betrayal there. But being in ministry now for 20, almost 25 years, uh, betrayal is kind of built into church systems uh, for various reasons. People are broken and you know they wander and all these things. But betrayal has definitely been the deepest wound of my life over and over and over again. But as I began to study and think this through this week, I think it's actually part of what it means to follow God. If you follow God, others will betray you. Um, parents will betray you. Siblings will betray you. Uh, divorce is a huge betrayal. Coworkers will betray you and have. Partners. I, I know people who have gone into business together as partners and then one partner betrays. Two Christians go into business, one partner betrays. Friends who were friends for a while, then they betray you. Church members betray you. And we can go on and on with the list of the different people in our lives that have betrayed us. Maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, and she cheated on you, or he cheated on you and betrayed you. And so what kind of emotions come along with betrayal? Well, confusion. You can imagine where Joseph is at. He's confused. These are his older brothers. He's 17 years old. He hasn't done anything wrong, but they hate him for his integrity. So confusion, shock comes with betrayal, frustration. You feel used when you're betrayed. You feel burned. It, it, it makes you sad, but then it makes you angry. Um, you might experience from that rage. I know I have when I've been betrayed. Or depression. I have felt that as well. And then there's how we have to react to betrayal because it's a reality. We have to accept it. It does happen, it will happen, and it will probably happen again. Uh, but then there's something in this. We want to retaliate. We want to make them pay for the way they hurt us. Or we cut them off. We say, no more. Or we just remain embittered. But God is calling us to something different that, is, that takes His power, and that is forgiveness. And I can tell you that, that forgiveness is not the type of thing that you did. I forgave them. It's something that you're doing. I'm forgiving them. Because the emotions come back again and again and again. So Joseph's experience of betrayal also teaches us that God is with us when people betray us. And that we have to live with betrayal. And it's like an open wound that takes years to heal and maybe never fully does heal. It makes us guarded. It can make us hardened towards other people. It can make us self-protective. 
These are the effects of betrayal. And this is where Joseph is at as he's sold into slavery and he's going to Egypt. Now go to chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now I want you to see this. So he's there. He's, he's now um, been sold into Potiphar's house, this powerful man in Egypt. But look at verse 2. And, and seven times in this chapter, something along these lines is said. And seven different times, God is emphasizing this very clearly to us in the midst of betrayal. The Lord was with Joseph. When others betray you, God is with you. When others betray us, God is with us. The Lord was with Joseph. And look at this. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the, his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. This is not a guy that worships the true God. But he could see there is something with this young man, Joseph. This is somebody who is full of integrity. This is somebody who is a hard worker. And this is somebody who worships a God. I do not know, but I can see that that God blesses him. And that, that God blesses the work of his hands. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had and his house and his field. You can see that. I keep saying it. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And God not only blessed Joseph, but God blessed Potiphar because Potiphar had Joseph as the head of his household, running his household, making sure everything is running smoothly, running his businesses. Joseph is the top tier guy and he has come up to this so God is honoring his integrity. Even in the midst of this slavery and betrayal, God is honoring him. So, verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So we see that God is with him. He has presence. He has gravitas. He has humility. He has ability. He has the right attitude. God blesses his work. Everything he's doing is succeeding. Uh, Joseph's master was blessed. Joseph was blessed with, the, with, with not only that, but it also says he was extremely good looking. Okay? God had blessed Joseph in so many ways. Well, it said he was extremely good looking. Now look at verse 7. After a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. He's good looking. He's there in the house. Now, at this point, you have to understand, Joseph is part of the family. Okay, he is, he is there involved. These people are part of his life and his family now, and they, they all trust him. But we don't know why, but this wife was discontent. And this good-looking young man is in her house. At this point, Joseph is, is probably no longer 19. He's probably closer to 26 or 27. And here's this cougar in the house who feels neglected watching him. A selfish woman, a very wealthy woman. And she says, lie with me. Now, Joseph's 26, 27 years old, a virgin. He's, he's probably filled with everything a, a young man is filled with in regard to sexuality. This temptation would have been extremely powerful for Joseph, just like it would be for any of us. 
Verse 8, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's powerful. He says, I can't dishonor the master, and I can't dishonor you by sleeping with you, but most of all, I cannot dishonor my God. I am not going to do this and sin against my God. Now, he could have got away with it. They could have had an affair. They could have, because the Potiphar's often out of the house, and they could have, he could have easily gotten away with it, but no, he knew God was watching. You see, who you really are, if you have, in, your, in the truth of who your integrity is, is, is who you are when nobody else can see, when nobody else is watching. And Joseph knew that God was watching, and he did not want to sin against his God. He loved his God. And this is what made him a man of integrity. Don't think he's just a better man than any other people. The reason why he was a better man is because he loved God, and God loved him. And he walked with God. Even in the midst of this trial and pain, he's been betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. He didn't get bitter. He walked with God. When others betrayed him, God was with him. Verse 10. And she spoke to Joseph day after day. He would not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. I'd imagine she's probably a good-looking woman married to this very wealthy man. And the temptation came day after day after day, and yet he resisted. Verse 11, But one day, when he went to the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled at God out of the house. So there, she, you know, he's alone doing the work. Nobody else is in the house. She comes and grabs him by the garment, and she holds on to him. And the only way he can get away from her is to slip out of the garment and run out of the house naked. He, he, this is how much he is committed to his God that he runs from temptation. By the way, this is the only way to face sexual sin. Most sin, but especially sexual sin. You don't mess with it. You don't play with it. You turn around and you run. That's the only thing you can do. You're not powerful enough to face sexual temptations like this. And any temptation in your life, the best thing to do is turn away from it and run towards God. And this is what he did. He ran out of the house. But this is the, his integrity is the very thing that gets him in trouble. Watch this. Verse 13, as soon as she saw that he left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called the men of her house and said to him, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. She laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. She lies. She frames him. Why? Because he kept his integrity. Did he do anything wrong? No. This is often why people will betray you. 
People will betray you for many reasons, but people will betray you if you walk in integrity. Because they have plans. And when you walk in integrity, it rubs up against their plans, but it also convicts them of their own evil. And so what does she do? She betrays him. She flips it on him. She, she makes it his fault. And look at verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Once again, Joseph is betrayed. Why is he betrayed? For walking in truth, for walking in integrity, for being true to God. He was not betrayed because he was evil. He was betrayed because he was good. He was betrayed because he loved God. He was betrayed because he kept his integrity. He was betrayed because he was loyal to his Father in heaven. And the same will be true of you. I hate to tell you, but if you walk with God, people will betray you. Because you won't curb to their evil. You won't curb to their will. You won't give in to the temptation. And by that, they will hate you, but they will also be convicted, which will drive a deeper hate. Well, what's going to happen with Joseph? Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. You know what that means? It means that when Joseph went to prison, just like when he was sold into slavery, Joseph prayed and Joseph communed with the Lord. And Joseph sought the Lord's face and cried out to God. I'm sure he cried out like in many of the Psalms, Vindicate me, O God, because they are coming against me. They have betrayed me. They have harmed me, O God. Just like many of the Psalms, if you read through the Psalms, there's betrayal all throughout. There's sadness. There's uh, this, this, this feeling of like, God, I've walked with you, but people have hated me. People have come against me for walking with you. But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. He keeps getting favor. Even though people betray him, he keeps getting lifted up by God. And the keeper of the prison, verse 22, put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever is done there, he was, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. When we walk in integrity with God, when we walk with God in communion with Him, when we love Him and repent of our sins, when we, we seek His way above the ways of the world, God is with us. And God, God's with us even when we don't. We've learned that through the rest of Genesis. But when we do, God blesses us and leads us. But that doesn't mean we don't have to bear the scars of betrayal. We do. We have to bear the wounds of what people have done to us. But when we feel that, when we feel that desperation and that sadness and that anger and that rage from what they've done to us, God is with us. See, Satan sets us up for betrayal that we might lose our integrity. But God allows us to go through betrayal that we walk firm in our integrity and commune with Him in the midst of it all. Well, we're going to stop the story of Joseph there for today, but I want, I want you to see some things. One, about your own life. When pe people have betrayed you, people will betray you, 
but God is with you. It might be a boss, it might be a coworker, it might be a friend, it might be a spouse, it might be a church member, but God will be with you. And you're going to turn around and you're going to see God's hand in the future, even though it hurts right now. But even beyond that, there's something even more profound about this story. This story is pointing forward to another story. This man of integrity is pointing to, forward to the true man of integrity. Jesus is the true and better Joseph. Jesus was the loved son of his father, robed in his father's affirmation. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was a good and a perfect man among evil people. And these evil people constantly criticized him and betrayed him and came against him and tried to trick him. He endured the jealousy of his brothers, his countrymen. That all of the religious leaders were jealous of Jesus because of his power, because of his speech, because of his miracles, because he's the son of God. But they hated him most of all because of his truth and integrity. He was despised by his brothers for speaking God's truth. Jesus only spoke God's truth and people hated him for it. He was scorned for this true prophetic vision of the future. He could see the future and told the people and the people hated him for the truth that he told them. He is the one, according to the revelation of God. Joseph said, I'm going to be the one, and you all will bow down to me. Well, Jesus said, I am the one, and the whole world will bow down to me. And they crucified him for it. Um, Jacob kept this saying in mind about his son. Well, Mary kept the sayings about Jesus in mind that the angel told her about Jesus. Jesus was betrayed and sold by his brothers, just like Joseph sold into the slavery of the cross. They manhandled Jesus. They stripped him of his robes, just like Joseph. Jesus resisted the temptation to give in. He resisted the temptation to retaliate, just like Joseph resisted the temptations over and over in his life. Jesus was framed for crimes he didn't commit, just like Joseph. Joseph was mistreated through slander, gossip, and hearsay. Jesus was mistreated through slander, gossip, and hearsay. God was with Joseph and lifted him up. God was with Jesus and rose him from the dead. And he went through all of this to save his people and the world. And this is what we'll see with Joseph. Joseph goes through all of this to save his people and the world. So I say all of this to say that when others betray us, God is with us. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you that the deep wounds of betrayal are turned into life by you. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.